Each Sunday night, I'd watch the practice with none of my friends. I'd turn the dial to ABC to see the creep of the week that Bobby Donald defends. But I'm out of practice. With your hosts, Keith Burney. That's the mood already. <laughs> You've established the mood. <laughs> and Mike and Dag Leo. Way back in high school, most every night, my mom watched QVC, so I missed the practice. There was no TiVo, <laughs> what could I do? Wait 15 years, get fat, then stream it on Hulu. Let's do it. Today we are doing a podcast. Do the words fake it till you make it resonate with you? Because they do here. Hello and welcome to the Out of Practice podcast, a weekly podcast in which me and my co-host Mike fake energy. Because we're on the air, even though it is a sleepy Saturday afternoon and I wish I were a nap person. But you know what? We have an important duty, a duty between ourselves and you, and that is to talk ad nauseum about ourselves. And then we finally eventually will talk about David E. Kelly's award winning series, The Practice. This week, we are up to season six, episode 15, entitled M. Premi Unplugged. I don't know what to say about that title, but here we are. We are going to talk about it. How's it going, Mike? I have strong feelings about the titles that I have no idea how to pronounce uh, or what they mean, but I guess we'll find out. It's going well. You know, I said I was responding to Phoenix Cage on the YouTube about a comment he left about something. I believe it was last episode. We'll talk about it when we get there. Oh, yes. But what I said was accurate. Uh, it's so nice to have this podcast, our fellowship, Keith, our viewer our listeners plural at least people Ooh, listen to plural. the podcast yeah there plural, are people i didn't know we we're gonna be all braggy today we no, have uh, plural no. i'm just listeners. saying uh i look forward when the week gets me down or when things are happening it's i never rue doing the podcast it's a lot That's of work true. as it turns out but i never rue it uh i will say i have not been sleeping well uh, you know what it is i have a drive coming up tomorrow uh, mm -hmm. unfortunately we're going to see my mother-in-law Jen hasn't seen her mom in uh, over a year and unfortunately because of our schedules we can't stay very long so we're driving down on Tuesday we're gonna or excuse me Sunday and we're coming back on Tuesday and it's a long drive it's about eight hours so when you know that's coming up and you're like I need to I need to get some sleep to be prepared and so your body tells I don't know if you're like this I believe so I can't sleep so I have not been sleeping uh, so that's why the mood is dour, but I am happy to have our friends, you, our viewer, our listeners, to get me through today, and uh, hopefully a better episode of The Practice this week. Oh, well, <laughs> let's find out. <laughs> oh, that is not foreshadowing that I appreciate. <laughs> you don't know. It could be anything. Maybe You're it's right. good. You're right. It could be. That's uh, Season six is one of those things like, who knows? Who knows what we're going to get? Mm -hmm. But uh, yeah, no, I'm, I'm exactly the same way. If I have a a thing to be awake for of any importance at any time, 
Mm-hmm. It could be like, oh, you have to be awake for a, you have a four o'clock phone call with the least important phone call in the world. I won't sleep because like, what if I oversleep? What if I oversleep? It does, it it makes no sense whatsoever. But I'm a hundred percent in the same boat. I also have uh, this project. I have this project. I don't know why I'm talking about this on the internet. I have this project that I'm behind on that I have to present on the 13th and it's like staring at me you know that one you know that feeling yeah it's like staring you down that's i'm feeling that yeah yeah i feel that we sound like we're in college all over again it does but wait i think we should probably start well that's the future all right Uh uh uh-huh but we should talk about the here and meow the here and meow and the other reason i'm sleepy today we have tried for years to make this podcast a success yeah, we, we failed. failed it's time to give the world what it was meow meow hot cat content meow meow hot cat content meow meow hot cat content so uh my good buddy Charlie, who is uh, behind me in the chair there, mm-hmm. uh, I wake up at six o'clock, in, you know, just like to get up and get some water or whatever. And I go downstairs and the whole house smells horrible. <laughs> and I'm like, what the hell? And, you know, we've discussed it before, you know, long haired cats, sometimes they get poopy butt. And, uh, and there he is in our cat photo of the week, the <laughs> legendary, elegant Charlie. Uh, so, and it, so, so I go down there and he has, it's just like a shit explosion all over the entire house. It's six <laughs> o'clock in the morning. And then, and then as I'm like, like wandering around the house with Lysol wipes, trying to chase, you know, clean up, oh, it's horrible. And the cat's like, fuck off. It, 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 you know how it is. Then I hear at like full human volume. People talking in the basement and the light is on. Right. And I'm just like, what the holy hell? So two things happen. It was, and it was like pretty like normal, loud talking. I'm like, oh my God. Well, two different things happen. Did I miss something? It's your house you heard people talking? My own, my own house, my own basement downstairs. That's disconcerting. Very disconcerting. And, uh, and the light is on. So, I discover, A, I left the light on, so that's on me. Okay. But B, what was happening was my computer had rebooted, uh, like an update or whatever, uh... and it pulled up the, the browser again, and Hulu was up, and it, when and for whatever reason, when it restarts, it starts the video going, and there was an episode of like Modern Family going on at full volume. <laughs> and of course, like I listen to everything really loud, and I have really good speakers that I, that you gave me. So it sounds really realistic down here, and I just about died. It's six o'clock in the morning. I'm just like, this is not a way to start a day. But that's why I'm a little sleepy, because of our good friend, Charlie, in the cat photo of the week. Well, I'll say I'm also a little sleepy uh, because of, oh, I shrunk little kitty. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, goth cat. I didn't mean to do that. Um I'll, I'll remedy it some other time. I'm talking. Uh, so, so um, what was that voice? <laughs> oh, that's the voice I use with the with cats. <laughs> uh, so, it's been so awesome. The past few days, the cats who don't get along have been getting along. 
They've been laying together on the bed. They've been like all snuggly. That's right. They've you been, sent a picture. I've been sleeping in the office. Everything's fine. I just, I'm a nomadic sleeper. I don't know if you're that way. My dad was this way. And like, sometimes I can't sleep. So I start to like go different places in the apartment to try to like, sure. and then if I find a spot where I sleep, I stay there. So I've been in the office a few days. I'm also trying to put my stink on the bed. So that, that will make sense in a, in a minute or two. So anyway, the cats have been sleeping with me. It's been so cute. Everything has been so good and balanced. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Of course, tomorrow I'm driving eight hours to get, pick up a new cat, which is going you to throw sure everything into chaos. Uh, and I probably won't sleep for the next week. So that's the big news. Tomorrow it's done. We're going to get, uh, we believe we know which cat. Uh, which I really want to, I really want to sense the energy of the cats and select the proper cat for my that environment. That makes sense. Yeah, sure. However, it seems like Jen's mom has made a, a pre-decision. She wants ah. to keep all the cats except this one that she thinks will be perfect for us. So I don't know if that means- The one shitty cat. <laughs> yeah, that's my fear. Jen of course me, that's gonna be, of course it's the shitty one. Jen assures me, oh, she thinks it's the sweetest one. But I was like, it sounds like she's giving us the no, shit The shit. This stick. cat's a dick. <laughs> well, 100%. I, I already have You've a dick cat. You've got this little so. asshole cat, probably has a poopy <laughs> butt like Charlie. <laughs> anyway, that's the news. This is, we are 10 minutes in. Let's that's cats. <laughs> that has been cats. Now let's talk to other uh <laughs> flighted creatures. And we in our segment. Didn't really, that was not a good transition. That was maybe the worst ever. <laughs> but here in our filings and subpoenas, we are going to rise from the ashes of that tortured metaphor and speak <laughs> to our moderator phoenix cage so you get it uh, okay <laughs> <laughs> okay well phoenix has a couple of things to say uh interesting ones so the uh the first it thing we're going to continue our discussion about uh platonic relationships and uh he says because we we talked about it uh last week because he called us out on uh judging Bobby and Helen's weird, well, what the show is trying to tell us to be a weird relationship, but Phoenix is defending as a healthy relationship. And he says, when I got my psych degree, it was with the intention to become a relationship therapist. What I have seen over and over are people who have really invested in their romantic relationship, even to the point of holding on to it when it's not working. And then, conversely, having a lot of casual friendships that they haven't invested in and wouldn't care if they lost. The belief that men and women can't be friends is not just a TV trope. It's based on American culture. When people try to form close friendships while in a relationship, it very often results in jealousy and even guilt. I'm really glad to hear that you guys don't undervalue friendships and don't mistake intimacy for romance. But you have to realize that you're more mindful about it than most. Maybe part of that comes from living in New York City where adults have roommates. That's true. You've always, you're always meeting new people and it's harder to get caught up in a scarcity mentality around dating. I'm writing a book about nonconformist relationship types, and the first few chapters are just about carving out the concept of a close platonic relationship that doesn't currently exist within what most people's idea of friendship is. I think that's a really interesting point, possibly about uh, living in an urban area where you do need roommates. I mean, <laughs> you and I were roommates, mm -hmm. and and uh, yeah, no, that's that's very true, and I and. Yeah, it, it, maybe 
maybe he's right that most people aren't really as comfortable about this, but like, you know, like some of my absolute closest, most intimate people in my life are my friends and female friends. And, and it's not about, it's, it's not, there's, there's no romantic part of it. However, I will say, you know, he's right in that, you know, I look at my closest platonic relationships and, and it's because my best friend, uh, Erica, who I lived with for almost eight years. And, you know, most people assumed we were married or a partnership right. and we were not, we're just good, good friends. If I weren't married, I'd still live with her. Uh, we just are just great roommates and really yeah. great friends. And, but I had to defend that for so long uh, because people had trouble understanding that relationship. Uh, actually, one of the great people I would date, people, you know, and and it was one of the great signs of my wife that she was able to so understand it. And because she has many, you know, she has many opposite friend, opposite sex friends as well. So she, and and that was one really good uh, white flag for me when I, with my relationship with my wife that she didn't even need convincing or she didn't need to understand. She's like, oh, yeah. she, great, you know. Uh, I will also say in our business, Keith. Yeah. Often, as the you know the the straight guy in a cast, or you, there's a lot of baggage that comes with that. Now, there is a difference here. Now, wh whilst I agree with Phoenix in that the platonic relationships uh, are healthy and can be very uh, conducive to balancing other relationships in your life, I think that some of the I think we have to, it, it, it's, we, it, we, it behooves us to mention that I think society is at fault for some of that because of just, not society, men. Because mm. men force sex a lot and, and use sex as, as, a, as, a, as a weapon, as a leverage uh, balancer often. And sometimes platonic relationships are just covers for men who are seeking more. I know that Phoenix mentions examples where it's, the, the roles are reversed. I'm just saying I think it's more prevalent that men are the instigators in this scenario. So it, it makes sense that people, women, are wary. cautious, are, are leery, uh, wary, when leery, wary, any, choose a word. Above. Yeah, uh, no, when I, it comes to the idea of platonic relationships. That No, I, th I think that is 100% fair. <laughs> and as somebody who has been like the buddy of the girl I really had a crush on, mm -hmm. Uh, that that is a that's a difficult position to put the other person in. Um, so yeah, it's it's complicated, and and really only the people in the relationship are in a position to categorize it, are think, in a position to really say what's happening there. You know, and I think uh, Phoenix goes on to mention uh, the idea of uh, polyamory and and. And I think that now is a, a really great time for people who have lived or who are very, uh, like I would say that my lifestyle, my particular lifestyle is very heteronormative. Mm -hmm. uh, but this is a great opportunity of, of many friends who are more comfortable coming out about their, as he says, uh, non, what, how does he, how does he refer to the relationships? Oh, I, I don't have that part of it up, oh, but non -conformist, yeah, just like non-conformist. Yeah. yeah. And I'm learning a lot about uh, polyamory or <coughs> um, people who have uh, uh, multiple uh, relationship types and and just kind of an open world. Uh, I've learned about compersion a few weeks ago, which is the the idea of people in in relate multiple relationships 
And it's just the idea of 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 setting jealousy aside to feel just like real real happiness for someone for for a partner of yours or a person you know that they are enjoying another experience and like just really interesting things. It's a great time if you're willing to open your ears to like actually learn some things and to yeah. to, to well. And and you know. what is what is healthy, and what is happy, is different for everybody. Yeah. And there and 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 it I, I I agree with you that it's it's great that we are beginning to open our minds to whatever relationship is healthy and happy for anybody. And mm -hmm. you know if if you are if you feel healthy healthy and happy in a monogamous heteronormative relationship, great. If you power. feel if and if you feel happy and healthy in any other type of relationship, then then go to freaking town, and um, yeah, it's 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 interesting, you know, and and certainly as people with traditional backgrounds who have been raised in a more traditional setting, like you said, for us, I'll speak for myself. I do have to sort of like, huh, all right, let's talk like polyamory, whatever it is. I'm like. Huh, what do I feel about that? Because I know my conditioning says X, but I'm going to have to re-examine and keep thinking about what is, you know, I'm not thinking about it for myself, but just the concept itself is is uh it's continuing to open your mind and expand what however people you know are or live and yeah. So, I'm I'm 100% on your board. I can't wait to read your book, Phoenix. Yeah. Um, that will be really fascinating. Well, Phoenix continues. Now he always does. Shifting, he always does. Shifting from uh, that to last episode, Man and Superman. And uh, I think he feels similarly to what we do, uh, but also help helpful to have a guy with a psych degree to yes. talk about this particular episode. And he says, this episode... The only thing more ridiculous than the idea that there'd be any question as to whether the facility would be 100% responsible is the way in which they characterized schizophrenia. Mike, you definitely had good reason to criticize. It does present in a lot of different ways, and experts believe that eventually we'll probably understand that it's... Uh, it has many similar disorders thrown into one category, none of whom would ever look like this. He has no hallucinations, no voices, no paranoia. He thinks and speaks perfectly coherently. His only symptom is that is an unusually persistent and well-defined delusion. This guy could practically lead a normal life. All you'd have to do is give him a job at the Daily Planet and keep telling him that his cape is in the cleaners. What the hell happened here? Did someone submit a spec script they forgot to... Have David E. Kelly read it first? Yes, I agreed. Yeah, we we I I think you described it as a, a pitch, not a script. It's like a it's a log line, not an episode. Uh, so yes, it's a, it's maybe even a more interesting episode if he isn't diagnosed with schizophrenia. He's just a dude who has just started. You know, like has a delusion. Is delusion? You know, like. When you when you try to assign it to something, well, what I think my guess would be that's exactly what it was, right? It was exactly what I just said, and someone along the line was like, "No, we have to associate it with something, something." And I think schizophrenia is sort of the catch-all for most people who are like, "Oh, crazy people, schizophrenia." Right. You know what I mean? Right. Right. Well, it was it was it was just a, well, like we said, it's a it's a it's a pitch, it's a spec script, it's a lazy telling of that story. 
last, I want to close it down with, <clears throat> since we've talked about this so much, uh, there is a great series of videos. I can't remember the YouTuber's name. I'm going to link it in the show notes. And it, it, he basically visits a bunch of his friends, he calls them, because uh, he goes to visit and becomes friends with many people who have a variety of different conditions. Uh, and what, what he attempts to do, and it sometimes faces some criticism, but I found it pretty uh, enlightening, is to just basically unmask many of these different uh, conditions you don't hear about a lot or you hear about, but you don't get any detail in. And so one of the great ones, in fact, you know what, maybe rather than linking to his YouTube, I'll link to this TED Talk that one of these people he visited did, and it's basically living with schizophrenia. She's schizophrenic and has some very specific and scary delusions. But she just talks about how this has alienated her in her life, how people don't understand it. She tries to give some context, and it's a fascinating TED Talk. So I'm going to, uh, and, and once again, she makes it point to highlight that her case is specific to her, right? It, it is not right. a catch-all of all different types of schizophrenia, but if you are interested in one person who fits the sort of normal idea of it, uh, this is a great TED Talk. So we'll link that in the, in, in the show notes so that we give a little bit more of a a, a first first-hand account of the of the of the condition and and we'll i guess close the chapter there though i suspect we might revisit it in our worst episodes uh, yes it's possible OCs. well you know look if you are looking for a nuanced uh discussion <laughs> of mental health disorders and challenges that people face uh don't look for it in late 90s television or this podcast but at least listen to that ted talk now we have one more filing and subpoena because uh, we heard from the boss. We heard from the boss who also talking your boss to my boss. And this is from CEO Jen who uh, wrote to my mother, Ma Varney, you are my hero. Between that hike you do every day and that laugh into I still love you, that was the best. Also, Mike, this is proof that I actually do watch on YouTube. So, so Keith, uh, if yeah. my wife loves your mom, yeah. I love your mom, your mom yes. now loves me, doesn't this put me in the most fucked up love triangle? Maybe of all, speak of, speaking of non-conformist relationships. Pass. I've got a ma naja toi. No. <laughs> shall we shall we continue you know if you would like to i'm be a, beaming out of here <laughs> if you would like to be a part of this conversation beam yourself to the jury you can do so by leaving a rating and review uh and you can also write us an email or do any of the other stuff you see on the screen you know that kind of stuff <laughs> <laughs> mike just bailed out of giving the info out of practice podcast at gmail.com out of practice podcast on facebook and instagram okay let us move forward mercifully into the time machine or move back into the time machine and we are talking about march 10th the year 2002 and it is time to answer the question mike what was going on this day in the basement so what well, was happening well, college was winding down, believe it or not. Like I said, it was it was a you know, the summer would be the the end of her for me. So this was the last few months and I was all kinds of crazy stuff was happening. I was breaking up with my girlfriend and she was like 
not having it. Uh, but as Phoenix mentioned before, I'd stayed in it because, uh, yeah. and that is ne'er never good. And I was also sort of like very confused because I, I thought I had feelings for my friend who was like one of my besties, and it, I was trying. We were just trying to see where to live, and like coming to the end of college, as you'll know, when you're a performer, it's even quadruple scary because you're like, oh my god, auditions and this right. lifestyle, and like what's next, and and interestingly, I will. Later this year, I guess audition for a show uh, that will bring me to Keith. So that's right. Uh, but my first job out of college is coming up. Uh, we'll discuss it. Uh, it was my first audition, believe it or not. I booked it. Uh, Damn. Yeah. Well, you know, it leads to. Uh, we'll get there. So that's that's it. It's just like end of year stuff coming up, and also yeah. Oh hell, I'm gonna have to pay for this at some point. Was the other feeling mm -hmm. that I remember having. Um, yeah. And that's where I was. Keith, let's go to you. I know you've got some uh, audio visual. I do. Yeah, well, so it's interesting because I guess it's not surprising that we were in a very similar place, actually, because I was finishing up college myself. Uh, I was only two months from graduation. Um, and so uh, I, I think this was winter break because I found in my emails that I was in Vermont this weekend which I uh, I didn't know. But I was also uh, breaking up with my long-term girlfriend, who I we'd already sort of discussed it, that we were going to end it at this point. But now we were uh, sending emails back and forth, trying to figure out how to sublet our apartment um, so for the rest of the summer. Well, because we were still together. And it was it was a very long, tortuous uh break up and just just like you said with phoenix like stayed in it way way longer than what's healthy for either one of us um so we, we were doing that but speaking of uh, weird unhealthy things to do uh after you've already pretty much decided to break up so one day uh around this time i get back from class or whatever and uh, back to our apartment and uh i, I walk around and out hops Another kitten uh. out hops Toad, who uh, my girlfriend rescued. Uh, she was working in the Midtown Mall in Rochester. It doesn't exist anymore, that thing. Oh, that was some scary, scary mall times. Uh, and somebody abandoned a box of kittens in the parking lot, in the parking garage, and uh, she took home one of them. And uh, it was it was Toad here, and, and that's our other other cat frog. And Toad was the coolest guy in the world. He was amazing, an amazing cat, and I I miss them both dearly. Um, oh, Toad is no longer with us. This was twenty years ago. I don't think Frog is with us anymore. Oof. Anyway, uh, yeah, with cats you never know, man. You never know. Well, I mean, it's this twenty years ago. Um, but he was such a great kitten. And uh, yeah, so su surprise, she didn't tell me this was going to happen. I just arrived back at home and there's another cat. And uh, I mean, you know, come on, it's really cute. It's kind of really hard. It was difficult not to uh, not to like him, but he's he was really awesome. And he spent the summer with me here, too, because uh, this coming summer, I took both cats to Vermont with me. And so they got to run around and I'll have pictures of that, which is really fun. Uh, before I moved to New York, and uh, I keep almost saying her name, my, mm -hmm. uh, smart, my ex 
took the cats back um, because she still had a year left at school and then eventually took them for the rest of their lives. And, and, and now she she lives in, in Brooklyn with her husband and their kid and their cats, and she seems great. So I'm very happy for her. But this was a very awkward time. Reading some of our emails going back and forth from this era gave me a little panic attack this morning. So that's that's also like, oh, It's funny, I'm thinking the same thing in my head because I know I this is around when I started the breakup, but I don't actually officially break up because she like kept like guilting me back in. And I don't officially break up with her until you and I are on the road. Because I remember the phone call on the road where I was like, no, it's done. Because I was trying to, you know, get together yes, with that girl. Yes, I do remember that. That was I, tough. Wow. Woo. I can't believe we're so close. I was going to say to hooking up. But <laughs> we're well, so close to, to arriving at the same place, space and time. Uh, all right. Well, that what was going on in the basement. It's time to talk about... It's time for the Out of Practice Podcast's This Day in the World. The greatest hits, the biggest movies, headlines from Vermont, essential sports updates. Well, I guess it's not and happening. for some oh, inexplicable well. reason, the weather from 20 so years it. ago. Now back to Keith and Mike. The top song is Ain't It Funny, Murder Remix. She really went and a different way with this cover. She really did. The top movie was The Time Machine, uh, which uh, you can see the poster right below here on the YouTube. I put it there, which was uh, not a good movie. But I I love time travel stuff so much. I think I've seen it more than once. But I did it. The cover, like the Burlington Free Press, talked about the Hockey Cats hit bottom. Now, of course, uh, I've talked about it before, but the University of Vermont uh, has a great Division One hockey team that my parents, I used to go to all the time, my parents have season tickets. But this was a disaster of a season for the Cats. They went 3-18-1 and one over the, what is happening? Oh, day late and a dollar short. Oh, there it is. <laughs> Anyway, so uh, it was not good hockey at that point. Are you done fiddling with things? Because we have to get to the important segment. Ready? Here. Wait. Yeah, anytime you want. Go. <laughs> it's, time, it's time. It's time. It's time for sports. <laughs> the NHL was back from the Olympic break. The Leafs beat the Flyers 3-1 to in Philly. Darcy Tucker had two goals for the Leafs, and Eric Desjardins had a shorthanded goal for the Flyers. The Bruins beat the Flames 3-2 in Boston, with Sergei Samsonov scoring the game-winner in the third. Future Bruin Mark Savard scored in the second for the Flames. All right. Yeah, who doesn't like 19-year-old, just regular old hockey game stats? Uh, me? Exciting. But you want to know what's even more exciting? Ready? Here we go! I'm a human being, God damn it! My life has value, and I'm not gonna take this anymore! It's time to talk about the damn episode! Oh, folks, we are talking about The Practice Season 6, Episode 15, M. Premi Unplugged. And it was written by a new writer for mm. The Practice, John Tinker who has an Emmy for St. Elsewhere and all four other writing nominations, including L.A. Law, Chicago Hope, Judging Amy, and Chesapeake Shores. It was directed by veteran Dennis Smith, who last directed on Suffer the Little Children. 
Which means we only have one more thing to discuss before we watch the episode, and that is... Supposed to be. It, it, I'm looking at the What's timer, Keith. Not nearly as bad as we thought. Is this Not nearly as bad as we thought. No, we did all right. What? What? What does Mike think's gonna happen? Yeah, what if he would have drank the curdled milk? Then what would have happened? Hmm. Well, you know, Keith, you made a face or a comment or a face and a comment when I said that this might be a better episode. And I want to use that in conjunction with the fact that I know that in the previously on, we revisited Helen's uh, uh, indecent encounter with that district attorney who tried to uh, trade sexual favors for a settlement Mm -hmm. or a plea deal, and how basically Kittleson and everyone else was somehow like said it was Helen's fault. Um, And also that Bobby and the judge and the judge like uh, blowing his head off. So. How do all those things come by? How could we make that storyline with Helen worse and sexy? Uh, that's a that, <laughs> that's a tough a tough haul for me. Mm-hmm, so I'm mm-hmm. going to say that we once again encounter the <clears throat> shitty DA who tried to get in her pants. Seems likely, yes. Uh, and uh, in a twist that is revolting to us, twenty years later, they end up tag teaming working together and potentially starting a romantic encounter, which would make me fucking barf. Shit. So that's my sexy predict, Shun. Wow, wow. Bold, sir, bold. All right, well, if you would like to listen to us watch that episode and make snarky comments, it is time to hop over into your podcasting service of choice. For the rest of you, I don't know why you're not listening to that part, because that's really you know, the whole point of the freaking <laughs> yeah, episode. But if not, fair. for the rest of you, we'll be back for the oopsies. Season 6, episode 15, Mr. Preemie Unplugged on MTV. Eugene's in a big case. That's Tons correct, of Your Honor. We are seeking an immediate modification of the court's previously issued conditions of release. Yes, just a moment. $50,000 bail, a stay-away order forbidding contact with the wife or child, and the suspension of any rights to make health and welfare decisions regarding that child. Those rights shall reside with the mother. This all seems equitable given the seriousness of the crime with which your client has been charged. I'd ask you to consider the nightmare in which my client finds himself. Your Honor, Mr. Goss created that nightmare by putting his daughter in a coma. Mr. Goss is innocent. All right, folks, I'm about to do three people all at once, so I don't interrupt everything too many times. This judge, new judge, is played by Noel Conlon from Poltergeist, Semi-Pro, and Hail Caesar. And we have Eugene's client, who's been accused of something, and his wife, who he is has supposed been Baby to be M's primary caregiver. <laughs> getting, what what are, what are you doing? What are you doing? <coughs> <laughs> who uh, may or may not be getting full custody of the baby in question. The client is Thomas Vincent Kelly, played by Tom Goss, 
Oh, no. Thomas Vincent Kelly and not plays Tom Goss. What's going on over there? See, th- this is the thing that woke me up or that happened in the basement. Hulu wants to start playing all by itself. That's it doesn't true. want it scared the crap out of me. Uh, Thomas Vincent Kelly's from 24 Early Edition and Judging Amy. His wife is played by Jennifer Crystal Foley, who plays Kelly Goss, who you know from House. Once and again, 90210, an American president and Father's Day. Let's see what happens. Well, before that, I do want to mention even Hulu, uh, even Netflix has now put in that like shuffle carousel. So we've now reached the point where it's not bad enough that we spend 90% of our lives watching streaming shit on TV. Now we don't even have agency in it. Now the the computer just decides, eh, fuck, I'm just going to play you something. You're going to fucking like it. At six o'clock in the morning in your basement, (laughs) loudly. Child is sick, but under this court order, he is neither permitted to see his child nor to make critical medical decisions that could determine whether she lives or dies. Then you do understand my decision. The fact remains, my client's rights as a parent should not be denied simply because he's been charged with a crime. We're going in circles here. This father is requesting that every effort be made to save the life of his child. He knows if his child dies, he will be facing this jury on murder charges. This is about Baby M. Where is your compassion? I have no compassion for Baby a man M? who beats an innocent child. Baby M. All right, oh. that's enough. Till Mr. Goss is cleared of the charges made against him, I have no intention of endangering anyone. The court's conditions for release, including those involving your client, to keep him away from seeing his wife and child stand. And if Mr. Goss refuses to abide by those conditions, I'll throw him in jail. Now, if there's nothing else. Is that Brendan Fraser? Your Honor, may I approach? (laughs) It's Thomas Vincent Kelly, but almost. So we got a a, a preemie who- For the record, I'd respectfully point out that you and the late Judge Fleming were close friends. I'd also make it clear that my partner, Bobby Donald, was recruited by the U.S. Attorney's Office. Oh, and the fact shit. that Judge Fleming took his own life after his wrongdoings were uncovered. So what are you implying? He's planned being the judge, the baby. The duty is to set reasonable bail. And perhaps you have undue prejudice towards my client, since you may wrongly assume that Mr. Donald was somehow responsible for Judge Fleming's death. Your friendly reminder that Steve Harris as Eugene is fucking awesome. And we've missed him a lot of the season. Yourself. Yeah. Great, Mr. great Young, play here. Great power play. I lost a dear friend, and for that I'm sad. But hear me now. Don't you ever walk into my courtroom and insult my integrity. Otherwise, I'll find you in contempt so fast your teeth will spin. Yeah, but you're, you're giving him... Motion a- is denied. We're adjourned until tomorrow when this trial will begin. Lara Flint Boyle doing some excellent, interesting reaction there. We're taking a big chance. Yeah, but now if we lose, we can raise the judge's bias on the field. This case is as ugly as it gets, and it just got a lot ugly. Which which you did make a good point there, like bringing it up for appeal, right? That's great. But he did it off the record. Because if he he does it up at the bench, like I don't think that's showing up on uh, the official court record, yeah? doesn't really matter i think i think he can they can raise that issue on appeal anyway it doesn't have yeah. to be on the record <clears throat> but i think if he's trying to make that point i'd want it in the in the yeah, official that's fair. court record i think he was doing a little bit more of a eugene strong arm hoping that maybe <clears throat> well right he's taking a swing 
And maybe, I guess, if it comes up again, he can put it in, enter it into the record. Directly. We missed. So, so this baby is a preemie baby, and the the dad is now found gets no bail because he's being accused of assault. But we don't know what he did to the baby. No, we don't. Okay, or what he is accused of doing. Wait. Right. The assault case you're handling this morning. My office is shorthanded, and I had to assign David another. David Kelly ADA. put Lara Flynn in that bathrobe, not on accident. It's Mitchell Wheeler. Helen, don't think, think David do I have to remind you he offered my client episodes? a reduced sentence in exchange for a look at my breasts? I know, and Judge Kittleson said the two of you shouldn't be trying cases together, but I don't we have remember. a choice. Well, obviously, I don't have a choice. Helen. Now, Keith, far be it from me to be the poster, to be the, this, this, to do a stump speech for, uh, uh potential sexual microaggressions, but... I do find it interesting that they're having a beat right here that where they're talking about uh, Eleanor's, I mean, just blatant, the blatant, uh, I don't want to, maybe abuse is a strong term, but yeah, abuse, abuse of power that the DA wielded For on For sure, her. extortion. However, in the television of all television universes, they have it such that it's an opening shot of an episode and they have Lara Flynn Boyle, who's a very uh, conventionally attractive woman, Who's in her bathrobe? Uh, and yet they're like, but let's make sure that um, we got we got Frut in like a full power suit. And it's interesting, you know what I mean? I, that juxtaposition is not lost on me. Well, they had to do something because they've got to just fill in a whole bunch of exposition here. Yeah, I guess to, you're right. To remind us what happened in the last episode. But I, I, I for the thing I object to is so Helen's a, after knowing what Eleanor went through with this guy. Helen is saying, yeah, sorry, but I've assigned him to your case. <laughs> I have no other choice. Uh, clearly, we're short-staffed since it's either him, me, or uh, D.A. Lowe in every case that in Massachusetts. That's right. So, you know, we, we killed off Kravitz, so we don't have a choice. I promise, if he so much as makes... It's basically your roommate or the guy who sexually assaulted you. Right. Well, that's not, well I, I don't know. How, how should we phrase it? Who... Uh, was or office space who we forgot was on the show. Oh yeah, who's a full cast member, by the way. Yeah. One single inappropriate remark or looks at you in any way that resembles sexual harassment, I will severely reprimand him. Yeah, well, I'm sure he'd severely like severely reprimand as part of the bargain, sir. <sighs> like I can't believe she would do this to Eleanor, to anybody. I can't believe a judge would allow this to happen. What the jury thinks, and trust me, they can't see the face I'm seeing now. How can the judge forbid me from being with my own daughter? Tom, try and, and relax. No We're doing all we can. Really, <laughs> this is just the beginning. Yesterday was worth the shot, but the court didn't budge. If your wife decides to disconnect Mary Beth's life support before the verdict, you have to accept. Kelly won't disconnect life support. I received the prosecution's witness list. Baby's mother, wife is the on doctor. It and she's testifying <clears throat> against you. We have to cross-examine her. Oh, you got to plan B that wife, baby. No. She's been through hell already, and I don't want her going through anymore. Tom, try to understand I what... said no, damn it! It's the office trope of the defendant getting angry and losing his cool. And now the scoring starts and we have to wonder if maybe he's potentially violent. Yeah. 
You and I don't know what you're Keith, I think I do my best work with impromptu bumpers. And right now, oh, for sure. you're the one on trial. Most valuable lawyer. There you the go. The person who could have put your baby in the hospital. That we'll be hearing that one. Kelly. <laughs> it's either you or her. I need to go for a walk. Listen, Tom. Get out of my feet. That's a. So he just slammed Eugene up against the wall. Eugene, which, I wasn't uh, trying to. Uh, doesn't strike me as that good of an idea. Because if Eugene wants to break him into six pieces, he can. And I don't want to see you till you've calmed down. Or we'll lose this case, and you'll lose the operation of your left eye because I will punch it hard. I will throw you out of the building through the wall. And there's Scott Cohen back as Creepo Mitchell Wheeler. He's Eugene in a bottle, baby. Don't rub him the wrong way, baby. Oof. And Ms. Ken, what do you do in the cosmetics department? <laughs> What's your job? I offer samples of perfume. How do you offer those samples? <clears throat> With just a small spray. That's not how she doused me. Miss McIntosh. Perhaps you can demonstrate. Let's demonstrate who's in this scene. Lady who just uses a small spray. I guess comedic case we're doing with the sexual harassing guy for some reason. Yeah, because why not? All right. Mrs. Kim is played by Angela O. From What Women Want, Modern Love, and 26 Miles, the judge is played by returner Lynn Hamilton. We haven't seen her in a while. And uh, Eleanor's client, the person suing her, is uh, Tracy McIntosh, is played by Eileen Weisinger from Iron Man, Gotham, High Maintenance, and whoa, whoa, uh-oh, she was also an on-air reporter in mm. Honorable Man. Where is it? Oh, it's somewhere. That means you go. got to sing it, Keith. Oh. Okay, all right. We are not supposed to know this that you've been on the show before. But not just the residuals arriving at your doorship. Welcome back to the practice. I pretend that I don't recognize that I saw you in season two and I'm you gonna try to confuse you now. Welcome back to the practice tonight. Oh, it's nice. You know why they You know why they couldn't have ADA low in the scene? Because then I would be forced to make a comment like she should show us her O face. Ooh, well done. Well done. But he's not, so so I can't. He's not. He's not. He's not. A small spray. Like this. <laughs> Ms. Kim, when you offered the defendant a sample, what happened? She became angry. She told me to back off. And don't spray that shit in my face. from my hand. Yeah, yeah. I get it. It crashed to the floor and glass went everywhere. I hate that shit. I needed four stitches Agreed. on my ankle. Would you indicate just who? You know, I walked through the mall yesterday, Keith. Yeah. Uh, which, first of all, guess what? Even with Amazon and all that stuff, the world should know. And I, yes, I was a little uncomfortable with how crowded the mall was, but I was. It was nice to see that on Friday night, thousands of teenagers still go to the mall to like cruise and like check each other out and stuff. It's nice I to see that that's, that that's not that that's continued. 
You know, I, that, like, I actually, I I enjoy them all. I I'd like literally never go. Of course, you know, it, there's no malls in Manhattan, but I do. I have I have a thing that I do, and I, it's sort of like a running joke I have with Jillian that I always go to the mall for the same reason I did when I was 13 to try and find some piece of like Phil Simms memorabilia, which was that he was an old quarterback for the Giants who was my football hero. And every time she's like, there's no way in hell you will ever find something from a quarter, you know, like a, a T-shirt or a toy from somebody who retired in 1993. But almost every time I do, there's always some mm-hmm. sports memorabilia mm-hmm. store that has like a signed football or something. And that's a little running game that I play. I'll have you know that I walked into uh, both comic shops in our giant mall to try to see if I could find any cool Star Trek stuff for you. But alas, there was nothing. Oh, you have two comic book stores in your indeed. mall? <clears throat> yeah. We have a, the biggest mall in North America. Um, that's not the point I brought this up. The point I was trying to make is that to this day, still here in 2021, if you walk through a Neiman Marcus or some sort of department store, they try to spray shit on you or like flag you down and be like, hey, you want a free sample of like an eyebrow waxing? And I was like, do I look like the kind of man who wants you, first of all, to wax my eyebrows, second of all, to even talk to me? Don't talk to me. I have earphones on and I'm walking very, very straight to this next uh, food court to get a smoothie and some tacos. So do not engage. I think maybe they were just saying, do you seem like a guy who might be pretty hairy? Your your eyebrows are wildly out of control. Threatened you? There. I'm sympathetic to this lady for knocking that shit out of her hand is what I'm saying. 100%. I'm curious how she got four Ms. stitches Kim, on her ankle. Would you from please it. step down? Your Honor, with your permission, I'd also ask that my client come forward as well. Perhaps by reenacting what happened, the jury would get a better sense of what went on that day. Uh, your Honor, the defendant hasn't even testified yet. This is going to confuse the jury. I'm only asking that the court extend the same courtesy to my client insofar as a demonstration goes. Get at it, Ms. Frett. Ms. Kim, if you will. Your testimony was that my client approached, and for no apparent reason, she became belligerent. This is like an episode of Glow right now. It's like women's, like, the... Uh, how you would you, how you would cartoonishly depict two women fighting? Yeah, but glow is like on purpose to be cartoonish. Give us our season four Netflix. Yeah, what the fuck? My partner, and me, we got a call from. I think the dispatch what the fuck was baby in we, I think we glossed over that we were, scene. What the hell was that? So I, I'd love to know what point Eleanor was trying to make—that she's too like the height difference or something. Like how? Why would you have them demo and then? Why, as as the person who's suing the other, per, or I guess the, the plaintiff of a case, would you then attack the lady? For no reason. And then it's and like, a- and in these scenes, like the, 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 the bailiffs in these Massachusetts courts in this universe 
are so worthless. We've got people jumping out windows. We've got people committing suicide. We've got people murdering people from the gallery. We've got women attacking each other from the stand to the And the, one the of the bailiffs table. was murdered two episodes ago. Yeah, so we gotta we gotta do some quality control. We gotta get <laughs> uh, sponsored by uh, what's that by ZipRecruiter.com, so we can both uh, get a sponsor A and B uh, get some help, some 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 fresh blood there in the courthouse. There's plenty right, the of fresh blood. That's the problem. We rang the bell yeah. and we knocked on the door. Did the defendant respond? Bobby's yes. dad has to get hired he he just to clean up the blood stains on the floor. In fact, he wasn't <laughs> even sure she was alive. How would you describe Mr. Goss's demeanor at the right, time? So we're hearing from the well, he EMT. Seem upset like you like you normally expect. Who found objection sustained? Just tell us how the defendant appeared. He was quiet, kind of detached. All right. What did you do next? Well, we were directed to the bedroom where we found the infant lying face up in her crib. This feels like a shaken she baby wasn't breathing, thing, right? And she appeared cyanotic. Uh, she was bluish, meaning she'd been without oxygen for some time. Her heart was beating. My partner found a very weak pulse while I was bagging. I was helping her to breathe. During all this time, was there anyone else in the apartment? No, just Mr. Goss. Tom Goss we called 911, correct? EMT who found the baby! Guy who had a shitty night at the office, clearly. That's a terrible thing to walk into. He had a shitty night at the office, uh, but he's played by Alfonso Freeman, who had, did not have a shitty start to his career. The first two movies that he was in, the first two credits he has on IMDb are The Shawshank Redemption and mm-hmm. Seven. And then he would do The Bucket List and The West Wing and other things. This man is in my favorite movie of all time. Yeah. The bucket list? Yes. <laughs> so then obviously he cared about his daughter. Two Morgan Freeman vehicles. That's true. It didn't seem that he cared. Are you telling me that in all the time you've been an EMT, you've never witnessed anyone a, react a the way vibe. Mr. Goss reacted? If my baby had stopped breathing out But this wasn't your baby. Isn't it possible, believing his daughter was dead, like that my client was in shock? Okay, sure, but I was Were there any signs of bruising? I didn't notice any. Any signs of abuse whatsoever? Look, this was an emergency response. I was there to save a life. It would have been impossible for me to notice everything. That's exactly my point. Good one, Eugene. Nothing further. Actually, three Morgan Freeman Prosecution calls Dr. Daniel Taylor, a pediatric care specialist at Boston General. Okay, so he's accused of putting the baby comatose, so shaking it or beating it up or something. Right, doing something to harm the baby. There's no bruising, so it would have had to be like a shaken baby syndrome, but... What's the thing called when babies just kind of like they they turn over on their stomachs and they suck? Like there's another thing where baby sudden infant death yes, syndrome. Sids. Yeah. So you got to prove you got to prove somehow that he. He said no one else was in the apartment, so you've got the burden of proof is that you have to show he hurt this baby. We know there's no bruising, right? So let's see what the doctor has to say. I've been at Boston General twenty two. Of course, they threw us the curveball with the he threw Eugene's. So we know he's got a temper, so it's possible. Years. Chief of Pediatrics. But for before 12. we do, were you involved that? in? That let's introduce the doctor because guess what? I'm, I'm just gonna do a random bumper because I'm sorry, I'm tired of our bumper. We failed. Okay, so <laughs> this doctor is played by Richard Mazur. He's back. He was ADA Ed Means before Ed Means in Ties That Bind. Mike, I think it's your turn. Here we go. You're not supposed to know this that you've been on the show before. 
But now you get twice the residuals Frowning at your door So then come back to the practice Well, I'm afraid that you don't recognize That you say you played this other guy In another time and place First you played an ice cream guy Then you played a laundry guy Then you played an FBI Then you played a CIA Then you played another guy He invited a big game And shout out to Blackburn Welcome back to the practice today well done, sir. Well done. I, 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 I tried to like make rhyming couplets in there, and I said something about uh, the FBI, the CIA. <laughs> you might be gay. It, it, it wasn't great. It wasn't. <laughs> and mine was, of course, on a From Zoom delay. So she was born six weeks premature. Did she suffer any complications as a result of her premature birth? Well, her cardiovascular, respiratory, and even neurological systems were all underdeveloped. I feel like he's been on the but show 12 times. I expected times. her to mature into a healthy child. Because he pretty How much How many has. times did Baby M visit your office? Over eight months. Keith, you know, I was also a preemie, and I was also Baby M, believe it or not. Were you? Yeah. You know, because my name's Michael and everything. I was, that, I think, that's, that's between true. six and eight weeks premature. I was very premature. Also, my mom and I both almost didn't make it out of the situation. We almost both lost it. No and shit. by it, I mean our lives, but we're here, so it's all good. And I'm relatively normal. About 16 times. That's subjective, but sure. <laughs> Almost always Mr. Goss. In about the third month, I started seeing indications that something was wrong. And on one visit, I noticed that the baby's left leg was bruised. Did you ask Mr. Goss about it? He thought perhaps she had rolled against the side of her crib there had been no bruising before that incident, so I didn't think much about it. Was there a second incident? Sidebar, Your Honor. Quickly. We've been over this pretrial. She can't bring up the prior bruises. There's no evidence linking them to my client. It's prejudicial. This is the treating physician, an expert witness who can testify what he based his opinion on. You've got no proof and no connection to my client. So there are bruises. explain his opinion. It's prejudicial. Oh, come on. What is it, Eugene? You afraid the jury's going to see your client for the low life he is? Enough. I'm going to give the jury a limiting instruction and permit this line of questioning for a while, Miss Gamble. But you're on a short leash. That's crap, and you know it. You better check your emotions, counselor. Whatever your personal animus might be towards me, you're not acting in the best interest of your client. I suggest that you get a grip before you jeopardize him even further. I love this actor's portrayal. He's very even-keeled, and it's very grounded. Take a recess. Yeah, Noel Conlon very heightened stakes, but he's very grounded. Look, you can control a room. Mm -hmm. You know, it's tough, too, because we talked She'll about be this fine. before, I'll be brief, In but, fact, you know, a little bit on set, you don't, I know this sounds obvious, but it's it's when you're watching the final product, it's hard to remember that, like, there's, there's, the grounding isn't provided for you, right? Like, yes, all the extras and actors are there, but you have to remember there's also like 65 crew members, a bunch of lights and microphones and shit up in your face. And there's no scoring there. You don't hear the music. You don't hear, you don't see how it's going to be. So you have to, there's a lot, you have to have a lot of trust in your performance and just give it naturally not to push and just do your thing. And I think he's a perfect example of how, you know, we often loud those who are choo -choo, massive choo-choo-chewing the scenery, but sometimes it's just as effective if you play it straight down the middle. Yep. But, well, and not the least of which, you need to do it like 40 times mm -hmm. with all the coverage you have to get. 
richer since the prosecution's witness flipped down on her. Why were charges filed in the first place? Because the woman is off her nut and Mitchell Wheeler is a horse's ass. Oh, speaking of, just to toot our own horn, and and uh, I did want to shout out, we forgot it in filing its opinions. Sapinius, <laughs> I, I could go for a Sapinius I could go for a Sapinia, right now. yeah. Uh, welcome to the jury, Ray Abruzzo, uh, who was kind enough to reach out and uh, oh, say right. thanks for uh, doing the show. So uh, that's, uh, we've, we heard from Marla and we heard from Ray just uh, saying that they appreciate us giving the fans a little something. That they love the show and they both love the experience being on the show. That's true. What do you want? Two minutes. Uh, they also asked me to specifically uh, never mention that they reached out. Just kidding. <laughs> please. Well, please don't involve me on with this. <laughs> that's true of pretty much anyone's ever heard of the show. Yeah, it's a good point. We are going to have to give Ray a, a lifetime achievement in exposition. <laughs> You've got one minute. When I offered to reduce your client's sentence to see your breasts, I not only obstructed justice, I hurt you. We were friends. I don't think you realize just how much you hurt me. You accused me in front of Judge Kittleson. I was blindsided. All I could think to do was accuse you. This isn't sounding like an apology, Mitchell. Try to understand. It was either embarrass you or get disbarred. You made the wrong choice. I know. Yes, you did. And if I could do it all over again, I'd own up to my behavior. Eleanor. But it's water under the bridge. I'm sorry I hurt you. And I hope that someday you're able to forgive me. Interesting directorial here? choice here. Really interesting directorial yeah, it's choice. It's a good here. shot. Real good <clears throat> shot. You want to explain what I'm talking about? Yeah. So we're so in this scene that they're having here, he's the one doing the apologizing, but we're seeing Eleanor's face in the foreground and him in the background slightly out of focus because we we don't care about this idiot. Mm -hmm. We're here for Eleanor's journey and we're able to see what's going on with her as she's reacting to the nonsense he's saying. It's a good shot. If you want to speak to Judge Kittleson, then I'll back you up. Do not make this my responsibility. I don't even Damn know why right. I'm listening. You accused and humiliated me in open court and then crushed me by suggesting I needed psychological help. Mm. It was shitty, man. So you shitty. You are a real bastard. Well, I, I love that she holds him accountable. See, he says, I will back you up if you go to Kittleson and say mm -hmm. what happened. And she's like, it's my fucking responsibility to defend myself. Why don't you go to Kittleson and say what the truth was, you piece of garbage? And and I'm glad that she makes that distinction. We Okay, so especially as recently, uh, we give the show and the writers, we hold them to task a, a lot more than I expected us to do so since, you know, we're f fans of the show. But <laughs> um, what I, this is one of those Rare occurrences where viewing this through the time capsule lens is so cool because think about between here, 2002, to today, 20 years later, and how many instances of victim shaming, victim blaming have we done in the mainstream media and the press subsequent to this? And to giving the victim the responsibility 
to defend themselves. Yeah. To turn your attention to uh, uh, Sir Bill Cosby, to the Supreme oh, Court uh, confirmation hearings, uh, a few of them, uh, I'll, I'll note, uh, just to note a few examples. And think back here when David E. Kelly's is one of those times where the, with the writers, the whole staff, I'll say, the whole creative team here, we're ahead of the game and making a really necessary point, and it's just us as a society who closed our ears and uh, didn't really want to, uh, it wasn't time to make any sort of substantive change. Still haven't, really. easily just had her take the apology and be like, okay, well, we cleared up that beat. You know what I mean? I don't want you asking me if I'm okay. Also, great response. All right. I wonder Come if Cameron doctor, had it was some say in that, too. I was just going to ask that question because too often we've seen that type of uh, soft touch and compassion and realistic writing not be and presented. integrity given yes. to the character. Mm -hmm. but, and like, Cameron, who I, I know from following her on social media, so we're like best friends, is somebody with that sort of intelligence and integrity who would, I think, stand up for her character that way. Yeah, or might be like, yo, that beat wasn't finished in the last episode. We have to we have to finish this beat. You know, yeah. I, I'm, I'm interested to know, I haven't done enough television, <laughs> I haven't done any television to know, <laughs> you know, like, what type of relationship do the actors, do you, do they develop? any sort of uh, relationship with the writer's room or the, the creator or the showrunner that they feel like they could approach and be like, you know, that episode, you know, I wonder. I, I think it's show to show. <clears throat> yeah. I mean, if you listen to people who were on The Office, they had a ton of interaction. And then a lot of other shows, they had zero. They never even met the writers. Yeah, but I would imagine on like that nobody was, uh, that on the West Wing, you, you w learned word for word. You didn't really offer any insight. You know what I mean? Like yeah, there's certain writers who... You know, the office, of course, was was a lot of improvisational uh, acting. So, your phone call to social services that resulted in the defendant's arrest. Keith and I are very much yes. like that with this podcast. There was I a mean, second word for word. If he goes off this script, time, I make sure he knows a about more pronounced oh, sure, yeah. set of bruises. What did the defendant say? He made no explanation, and that concerned me. I made a notation in the file and said I wanted to see Baby M after one week instead of the usual two. Unfortunately, that appointment was never kept. Please tell the jury why. Baby M was rushed to the hospital before. So uh, uh, we're halfway through the episode almost, Keith. Uh, almost. We, are we are going to go back to that other case or was that that? Uh, I can't I can't give that away. Before but that day uh, arrived, spoiler alert. When I was notified, nah, that case I went done. immediately to the. You got to be fucking kidding me. Emergency room okay, we'll, we'll talk you about can that. Imagine what I felt when I saw that this child had nearly been murdered. Objection. Move to strike. Sustain. The jury will disregard. Just tell us what you observed. We did a CT scan which showed severe swelling of the brain, the kind of swelling we'd expect when a child is shaken violently. In addition, Baby M's arms were bruised, consistent with being held tightly in that area. This is not good. But most telling defense. was the bilateral retinal hemorrhaging. What would cause the hemorrhaging? In an infant, aggressive shaking. The force of such movement is more than enough to cause injury. It's my medical opinion that baby M was shaken almost to death. Is there any way to determine when the incident occurred? Not with precision, but based on my experience, it's my opinion that this occurred no more than 12 hours prior to baby M's arrival at the hospital. 
Did you mention that to Mr. Goss? Yes. He said it was impossible that the baby hadn't been out of his sight all day. Dr. Taylor. He's got a lot of makeup on Isn't it possible that, that this child's injuries occurred a full a 72 hours prior to her arrival at the hospital? Are we just not saying the baby's name because uh, they're protecting the victim? Yes, I, th I believe that's the case. Okay. I that's think babies are unlikely. referred to this way in the question court is proceedings. Whether it's possible. He guesses from context. Shaken baby syndrome no can manifest itself up to three full days after the baby's been shaken, correct? That's very rare. But you don't have any idea who handled that baby in the three days before the crisis. I believe, uh, Keith, I wanted to note. Uh, fan. Could, fan, yeah. Uh, you know, we have a, 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 someone in the in the psychology universe uh, on staff, uh, as well as I want to point out that a newer founding sponsor, Carrie Coon, is uh, a, a medical professional. So we can uh, we can request uh, information from founding sponsor Ms. Coon uh, in in uh, future need of medical clarity. Oh, good. I think this is rash. No, I don't. You claim. You I saw bruising on the child's leg, uh, oh, okay. and even more pronounced bruises on the next Moloch several okay? visits. Yes, and as I'm sure you know, you can find those noted in her chart. If you Keith just starts using the Instagram to post <laughs> odd growths on his body and see if anyone can offer some clinical data. <laughs> Does you this look broken so to you? <laughs> Why didn't you notify social services prior to the date of the emergency? I wish to God I had. But at the time, I couldn't be sure of abuse. Yes, but you aren't any more sure now than you were then. Those bruises were consistent with abuse, Mr. Young. When I arrived at the hospital to evaluate the baby, I had no doubt whatsoever. She was shaken. And you know that because you saw the swelling of the brain as well as the retinal hemorrhaging. That's correct. Well, couldn't the swelling have been caused by a cerebral aneurysm? I conducted a CT scan. I would have seen an aneurysm on that scan. What's more, an aneurysm alone wouldn't explain retinal hemorrhaging. Isn't it possible, if not likely, that a loving father in shock upon seeing that his child isn't breathing might lift up that child and try reviving her, and in that moment of fear, produce the retinal hemorrhaging of which you're talking about? I highly doubt that. You may doubt it, but the fact is you don't know to a medical certainty when this happened. And unless you were there, you don't know who if anyone is responsible. Objection argumentative. Overruled. This could have been an accident. This was not an accident. Then, for all you know, doctor, Mrs. Goss is the one who harmed her child. Kelly would never hurt our daughter. Plan B! Please don't listen to them. Mr. Goss, sit down. I told them you couldn't have done this. Mr. Done. Goss. We love our daughter. Why won't you believe me? Tom, sit down. Sit down. This isn't going well. It's not doing great. Though I got it. Look, Eugene's just pulling something out of his pocket, that plan B, because I got to say that testimony was really damning. Uh, even as a jurist, now we they let the prior knowledge in of the bruising. Right. Whether he's going to tell them to forget it or not, we know jurisprudence that that shit is in their brain. And on top of that, this guy, this doctor sounded pretty sure what was going on. Then he stands up and has an outburst. This is not going well. It's not going well. Although, to be fair, anyone's he was got defending his wife, not accusing his wife. So the outburst was a little bit working against his own interest. Yeah. Oh, I'm, I'm saying, but that, but still, him having a conflict with his lawyer doesn't look good to a jury. They can't even get on the same page, is what I'm saying. That's also true. Yeah, don't hold back now. 
The wife ran from the courtroom? She's afraid of her husband. That's what the jury's gonna think anyway. Didn't Eugene cut down the paramedic and make good points with the doctor? He's chief of pediatrics, Jimmy, not some intern. He was effective. And any points I made were forgotten when Tom lost control. Is it really that bad? It's not good. And right now, Tom Goss is our biggest problem. Why not have him testify? That's not an option. He's too unpredictable. Okay, so who do they have next? The wife. Rebecca, you ready? I'll do what I can. Rebecca, we need this. I understand. But Tom is still the key. If he won't give us anything to attack her with on cross, he's going to prison. Dude, did this guy come to her fucking house? We're at Helen's apartment. Jesus Christ! Are you stalking me now? I need to speak with you. Is he gonna shoot himself? for over an hour. You're pathetic, you know that? Come in and warm up before I kick you out. Should we talk about, you know, the, 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 the assault that uh, just took place in our case? Or are we gonna, you know, what do you want to talk about? The cops did a more thorough background check. Seems Catherine Kim's been involved in two similar incidents prior to this one. I've advised my client to sue. What you said this afternoon. I want you to know I heard you. But I also want you to know Immediately after what happened in Kittleson's courtroom, I started to take stock of myself. My divorce is final in three weeks. This is my last case with the DA's office. I quit today. If I, if I was capable of propositioning you in exchange for a lighter sentence, I mean, if I was able to betray our close friendship like that, then I needed to examine my life. Eleanor. Maybe don't get so close, but... I am so... so sorry. Give me a good performance, though. Yes. hugs him, she forgives him. Look, we can talk later about whether we think this is a honest portrayal of what a person would do or whether this is the show letting him off the hook or however we want to reframe it. I gotta, I don't know yet, but I will say this. Actions speak louder than words generally in the real world, especially in, in Eleanor's world. And he did the things, he did the things. I mean, like, he, remorse can be expressed. I mean, he quit his job. He he left his marriage. I mean, the consequences have been maybe thrust upon him, but I have to say that I do feel a little compassion. Yeah, no, for sure. Although, like, you say you took the actions, right? But what is, what is the action that Eleanor needs, right? Does Eleanor need her, him to quit his job? No. Does Eleanor need him to to leave his wife? No. What Eleanor needs is for him to publicly come out and stay and say, no, what Eleanor was telling was the truth. And okay. what I was saying was lying and, and saying that not just to Kittleson, but publicly because everyone knows it. Everybody talks about it. He needs to like 
say to literally everybody in that community, no, Eleanor was telling the truth. I did the thing that was wrong, and I was completely lying when I accused Eleanor of it. That's what Eleanor needs. None of the, all this no, other stuff is about him. That's a really that's a really succinct point, and and I actually that's in real time sort of fell into the trap, right? It fell into that trap of like, oh, look at this great guy. He did the things. When you're right, it's not acknowledging the actual bigger issue, which she highlighted earlier. So it's you're not just assuming what she wants or needs, right? She did state it earlier in that scene where she's like, I don't need to go tell Kittleson that it was bullshit. You, you need do. to. Yeah, you're right. So and everybody else. Yeah, that was uh, Mike demonstrating society in real time and Keith being a compassionate human being, which I should point out is almost never the case. <laughs> well, you were being compassionate too because the guy's clearly in pain. He's clearly fucked up. He's just not doing oh, the right shit. thing. Oh, shit. That baby just paid for some college. That ain't no baby. That's a that's a doll that cost about as much as college. I'm sorry, I didn't mean I to startle know. you. It's okay. Just oh, courts, no, yes, I do. <laughs> that's a fake baby. A very so expensive fake baby. That's a CPR just fucking doll. Me. That is. You don't I think need to that's stay like? Just, of course. ABC just has a really good fake baby they use for all their shows. Well, America, have you been waiting for Lara Flynn Boyle in a full scrubsy? Well, the practice somebody, delivers. Somebody Keep was. hearing Dr. Taylor about how Mary Beth will probably never walk oh or talk. Well, we got ABM's name. God, maybe things would have been different if I had just... Look, you can't blame yourself for your daughter being in a coma. But if she does die, I don't know what to do. We know a good church. Right now, there's no reason to do anything. <laughs> they take a lot take of good. They'll take very good care I'm of. I'm suggesting you wait. Am I wrong, Keith? To Tom. <laughs> you can't. There's a restraining order. What's wrong? I don't What's know. Oh my goddamn What's lord! Happening? Somebody get a doctor! Oh, Keith! Oh my God, Keith! <laughs> It's like a bad B-horror film, how bad that baby looks. Oh, oh, well, but do you really want it to look good? Because it's like one of those things, right? Where like in a movie, if like an animal gets injured or there's a baby in peril, I don't want it to look realistic because Listen, I don't want to be worried about the dog or whatever. I need to know that that is a fake ass dog. I need somebody who worked on season six, episode 15 of The Practice to write in. I need to know. Did they tie a thing to the baby's head and like bobble it? Or was there somebody whose job was to be under that stretcher puppeting that baby's head? I need to know. I'm, I'm sure it's a puppet. Frank Oz, are you hard up? Frank Oz is hard up for Rick Lyon. He's trying to Maybe I control, do I? Hard cut to... <laughs> He's still there. Watching her sleep? What are we doing? Don't touch her. What are you doing? Oh, he's just gently waking her up, I hope. Oh God, let's don't let this go somewhere weird. Please. Okay, she's awake. Ooh, I got uncomfortable. What are you doing? What are you doing? Keith, don't let this happen. Keith, don't let me be right. 
What is he doing? What? No, why? They're kissing. God damn it. I'm right. Mike was right, and he wants to fucking puke. <laughs> well. Wow. Folks, do me a favor. I want you to rewind the episode about 15 minutes when Mike was talking about how every once in a while, the practice gets it right. Mm-hmm. And just delete mm-hmm. it. Just go ahead and, you know what? Better yet, take your phone, uh, send me the bill, throw it across the room into the wall and smash it before you uh, get to this part of the podcast. Uh, if you're mm-hmm. already here, mm-hmm. I'm sorry. Uh, I don't... And, and, you can, and you can listen to Keith like play along, but know what's coming. <laughs> You know, when I got to the, what does Mike think is going to happen? I just decided to like come up with something on the spur of the moment that was so ridiculous mm-hmm. that There's it could no possibly way. be right. And that's when I nail it. That's fucking almost every time that happens. I nail it. it so now they made out. Uh, I don't even know what to fucking say. I, I'm just fucking disgusted with that. It just yeah. ruins all of the goodwill it built up for me. Yeah, it's. Like, okay, so Helen, uh, uh, Helen, I'm just, I don't even, how long have we been doing this podcast? Uh, Cameron, all that input you were suspecting she had, Keith, like where, where that, I mean, I guess you could rationalize it. She's, she's lonely. I mean, I guess you could, if we, I mean, I guess we're going to have to, someone's going to have to rationalize it for me. They're going to take a swing. Okay. We'll get there. Jesus Christ. Did I get points? That was an interesting close-up we just got. Uh, um, Helen is reading the paper, and we had a we had a close-up on something about warheads. Were they like making a was that a editorial note? I I I don't know. I mean, it was certainly we were like right in the uh, the war with Afghanistan while they were shooting this. Huh. Also, Helen reads with the paper right in I front of her hate face when they do that. while standing. Wow. The most bizarre thing just happened. I thought I saw Mitchell Wheeler running out of here half-dressed. That was Mitchell, and I know what you're gonna say. I don't know what I'm gonna say. I know, it seems crazy. Agreed. I was in love with Mitchell all through college. Mm. We were really close. We studied together, we slept on each other's couches. He flirted with me all the time, but he never he always had some trophy girl on his arm. And then... Last night, it was just about so many things. Validation for all of those years that I loved him. And he made me feel desirable that maybe something like this is possible for me. But honestly, I'm happy for you. But Eleanor, after what he did to you. I imagine there's some taking the power back. You know, there's a. Sure. Well, it's complex. And I I don't dislike that it's complex. However. Yes. Yes, it's complex. And and. Like we talked about last week, sometimes acting can can elevate the material, or in this case, maybe not elevate the material, but fill in the blanks and fill in the emotional complexity. Right. What I'm wrestling with, I guess, is 
as we talked about last week as well with Phoenix, um, some of Phoenix's comments, we don't come to television often for the real life uh, explanations, right? We come to it for to, for the bigger picture, the the point, the emotion, the sort of morality point, or the and not always, but you know there was a lot. To, there was a lot that could be said here for accountability and for victims and whatnot. And do you muddy that? And does it lessen the impact by muddying the waters and, and introducing a lot of the complexity? I'm not, I don't have an answer right now. I'm just, I'm, I'm posing the question that I'm, I'm, I'm wrestling with because it read ugly. Her explanation here reads a lot of, reads very truthful. There's a lot, like you said, I understand. Trust me, I understand. There's some people that have done shitty things to me that I've, hooked up with that it's like, why the fuck did you do that? I, I sure. get it. Maybe it's not, I don't mean to equate that, with my, but I'm just, you know, I, I, yeah. I'm, I, I'm sympathetic to the complexity. I'm just wondering if, if it's as effective what? narratively. Yeah. And I, I, I have some thoughts about this, which I will save for the oopsies, but, uh, but yeah, it's a, it, it's really fascinating to bookend the first episode and this episode because they they feel very disjointed in some ways. Yeah, and don't forget that part of that bookend is the books in the middle, and one of those books in the middle is that weird assault case with the perfume lady. Which made zero sense. Your wife was that's right. That's what you make them... She's all right. She's fine. It was a small seizure. I want to see my daughter. The judge can't do this. It isn't fair to Mary Beth or Kelly. I need to testify. I want to tell my side of what happened. You did damage to yourself in court yesterday. The jury won't forget that. What better reason for them to hear what I have to say, to explain? Explain what? How you lose control? With your wife? With me? With your daughter? How can you say that? Right now, he gives me sort of Matthew Perry vibes you. too, no? Uh huh. It's your decision. His style. But my advice is you sit in that court and keep quiet. He's got one of those faces that's. Yes, sort of halfway between Matthew Perry and Brendan the Fraser, DA but like normal looking. Is putting your wife on the stand today. Tom, I have to cross examine her. No. You want to cross-examine Kelly and suggest that the mother of my child is responsible for what happened. Tom, did you hurt your baby? No. Can you look me in the eye and tell me your wife didn't? Then you he could owe not it look to your child to allow us to try and find out the truth. Donna Young, Dolan, Fred? Yeah, just one moment. It's the doctor from Boston General turning your call. Oh, great. Hi. Boston Hello. General, the new spinoff coming up Wednesday is on ABC. So, does everyone remember all of the bonus points we gave Bobby for finding that babysitter? 
Here's thinking it didn't quite work out because Lindsay's feeding the baby in the office. Well, Bobby never hey, even found the babysitter. He found oh, he the, made a list. He yeah, made a he's list. Right a here. place for Superman to go. Oh, good. And, uh, Great. What like, were we able to find abused out? every uh -huh. interviewee hey, out there. Zoe, your nanny canceled too? Yeah, five car accidents got the Fitzgerald backed up to Brookline. I told her not to bother. Babies, you don't have babies, to. Happy babies. Center, Red Crisis Center. Well, who's going to answer the phone? I told you about this a week ago. Honey, 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 will you take the baby? I'll try not to be too long. Um, Eleanor, we're going to Boston General. Wait, is something wrong? Nothing. I need your bad cop for my good cop. Why am I always the bad cop? I'll explain on the way. Here. Uh, 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 no way. Your wife has asked me to help. He needs a diaper, okay? Hey, and if she's hungry, there's snacks in the bag. Dylan opens the script this week. Yeah. Uh, so what do I have to do this week? Oh, I have a Your ten Honor, second gag with two babies. Calls Kelly Sweet. to the stand. Whatever happens. He made more money for that gag in 2002 than we make combined for our lifetimes. Brendan Fraser Perry? But the baby was crying. A lot. She wouldn't sleep for more than an hour at a time. And with the visits to Dr. Taylor's, the bills, Tom and I were falling apart. How did Tom adjust to his new life? Not well. After losing his job, he always seemed to be on edge. He has a short temper anyway. Objection. Sustain. Did you ever see your husband hit the baby or hurt her physically in any way? No, but he yelled at her sometimes. <sighs> I already said she was crying all the time. And during this time, how were you and your husband getting along? We loved each other, but we had these fights. And once Tom was so upset, he said he felt trapped and he wished that we'd Good never even tier. had the baby. I don't think he meant it, but he said it, Which disappeared and it scared in me. That shot. <laughs> what was your daughter's condition the night before she was taken to the emergency room? Well, she was crying almost constantly. We were up most of the night. Finally, about four in the morning, she quieted down, and I didn't see her before I went to work the next day. When was the next time you saw her? That night at the hospital. Now it's back. Mrs. Goss, your husband wasn't the only one falling apart, was he? Things were hard on both of us. In but fact, after giving birth, life. you suffered from postpartum depression, isn't that right? Objection, Your Honor. Relevance. A little leeway. I'll show the relevance. With caution, counsel. You were so depressed, you started drinking, didn't you? My drinking was never a problem. You were reprimanded at work. You nearly lost your job. I hated my job. And when I came home at night, there was even more work with the baby. And that made you angry, didn't it? You fought with your husband because he was concerned. Ain't no plan B like a Rebecca plan B. You were losing control. I would never harm my child. Mrs. Goss, one week prior to the emergency, did you shake your baby outside the apartment in the hall? What? You were juggling a bag of groceries and your daughter was crying. Your Honor. You heard the phone ring inside and you had trouble with the door. Your Honor, objection. Overruled. Wasn't your neighbor standing in the hall and didn't she see you shake your baby in anger and frustration? Absolutely not. That isn't true. The night before the emergency, you said your daughter kept you awake for most of the night until she fell asleep about four in the morning? That's right. 
Mrs. Goss, weren't you the last one to look in on your child that night? Your daughter was crying when you went in, but she wasn't crying when you came out. Your little baby didn't cry the rest of the night, did she? Or the next morning, when by your own testimony, you left for work without even going back into that room and checking in on her. I would never, ever hurt my baby. Interesting. Everybody hear the audio clip out there, but they were like, "Yeah, it's a great performance. Got to use it." Yeah, no, I heard that the first time, and I talked over it, but I wanted to point out. And checking in on her. I would never, ever hurt my baby. Yep. She to- totally clips. Now, storytelling-wise here, like, from from a legal perspective, and, and our, our legal listeners, Before any- is she even allowed to, to sort of backdoor in the testimony of a neighbor who saw something without calling the neighbor and establishing that for the record? Or putting it on discovery, I guess. It, it, it feels like a shorthand... Like a shorthand story time, we didn't have time to have the neighbor yes. lay that groundwork. But I feel like in real world, in the real world, before you could ask her that question, you'd have to establish that because, like, you can't just say, like, "Hey, Mike, uh, you know, wouldn't it be true that, you know, like Bob over there saw you cutting down somebody's tree?" Would like, I, I just say anything I want. Well, I would, but however, I think if uh, for the discovery, if Bob is listed as a potential witness to be called. You have the ability as as the prosecuting attorney to find out what Bob's got to say, right? So I imagine she didn't just bring that out of nowhere because should if she would have, if this was the real world, I imagine Helen would have objected the shit out of that, which is one of the things. Helen only objects one time in that whole thing. If this woman yeah. is basically not admitting but blowing your case up, Helen must be all, would be all over that with objections or finding a way out of it unless... That that groundwork groundwork was laid outside the episode. You know what I'm saying? Way to rationalize for the uh, lazy writing. Well, we're gonna. There's a lot of that taking place right here. We're <laughs> rationalizing a lot. Redirect. We'll take a 20 minute recess. But this is another. This is like the opposite of what you were talking about in the last in the other case, Keith. Where, Keith, where it's like, oh, complexity, right? It's complex, right? It's there's a lot going on here. It's like the cop out. Well, oh, it wasn't the husband. It was the wife. Like, there's no complexity. It's there's no oh, the baby was just sick and she or like some. It's like oh, somebody baby shaked. Rebecca, by the way, Rebecca nailed it. It's funny Whoa. because almost never do we plan B and it's has any grounding in reality. Plan B is almost always like a just obfuscate, right? Here it's like. We actually suspect the wife did it. I so mean, Rebecca crushed it. Yeah. Uh, you know, we often say we want Eugene, Keith, but I don't know. I, I might want the whole team. I want the whole fucking team and the two babies. <laughs> I want the two babies and the team. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Good, good. And a couple puppies. Eugene, and a third cat. Are you still crossing Mrs. Goss? Just finished. Well, you'll need to recall a witness. Oh, shit. Twist! The mom is fucking the doctor, Keith. Something oh. like, let's, let's, let's make it deeper. You confirm this? 
It was the he doctor who did it because he's gay. It's all been confirmed. And yes. he's making out How with. How could this happen? The baby in the bathroom. I what? think we're about no. to find out. Come in. Hello, everyone. He's Dr. The Taylor, I ask you here because there's been a development. Ms. Gamble? Baby M had a seizure last night and again early this morning. Apparently, the hospital ran some tests. On whose authority? The baby shook itself, Keith! I wasn't informed the of anything. The baby shook On itself. On the authority of Kelly Goss. Mike wanted complexity, and he's getting that complexity. But the wife is still a drunk, apparently, and did shake the baby. So the baby's got seizures, and it's shaking. I wanted complexity. Now I'm getting too much. <laughs> the tests show the baby actually suffers from meningococcemia. Did I say that correctly, Dr. Taylor? The illness presents with most of the same symptoms. Look over the record if you'd like. Did he miss it? A spinal tap revealed diffused encephalitis. You can't blame me for this. Based on the parents and the child's history and the symptoms that I saw, my diagnosis is completely justifiable. You blew it. What gives you the right to tell Thanks, me Eugene. if I had caught this early? A simple course of antibiotics would have been enough. But you didn't oh, catch it because you didn't look, and you didn't look because you'd seen enough. As far as you were concerned, the parents were not only suspect, the father was guilty, and as a result, you almost killed their child. Well, there's a twist that kind of worked for me. You blew it. Keith, what's it like to sit on the other side of this podcast and listen to me go through all of the feels, all of the flippy dips. In this case, I fell for everything. But I you, fell for you, it all. you fell for everything, but you also guessed everything. <laughs> you you actually correct, correctly guessed every beat of this entire episode. <laughs> Wait, with the doctor too? Yeah, yeah. I, I think you said something about like oh, it wasn't sick. either of them. Or yeah. <laughs> like, the baby was just sick. Yeah, you literally. <laughs> Every and yet beat. still fell you for it. You don't waste time. Hey. Oh, now we're in the... Oh, we can see how we wrap this up. No predictions from me. I just want to watch. You're not a little scared? <laughs> no. I'm terrified. Wait till season seven. Maybe that's why I'm only running away for Eleanor's a week. Eleanor's pregnant again. Where'd you decide to go? Scotland. Scotland? I went to visit for as long as I could remember. Plus... It's far away. There's that. So is Arizona. Do you regret last night? No. Yeah. Come with me. <laughs> what? Come with me. <laughs> what are you talking about? She's got a baby, you ass. There was a time that I would have so. There was a time. Hold my soul. Run away to you with say me. That to me. Come with me. Mitchell. I don't trust you. I may love you, but I don't trust you, not now. Oh, Ellie. I've wasted so much time. 
but you have to forgive me. Why wouldn't he have, if they really were digging each other, like, did they back write this? Did they retcon it? Because if they were really digging each other, why wouldn't he have just asked her out? Oh, he was married, right? He he was married. Well, I have thoughts. I have thoughts. I'm saving them. Like, I'm saving them. So it's not like, you know what, Eleanor, I'm married and like uh, have an affair with me. No, it's show me your tits so that we can, I can give your guy a lenient set. Like, what the fuck? Uh, I, it's right. not a question of forgiveness. You have that or I wouldn't be here. And I can't believe I'm saying this after all these years. You're an asshole? But I <laughs> am not willing to risk myself or my daughter for something I have never been able to trust in the past. Hey, there you go. It's a brave thing, what you're doing, a necessary thing. But you can't do it with me. Then I want to change that. Ellie. Ellie? If nothing else. Please believe that my love for you is real. Oh, he's in love with her now. I hope you find what you're looking for. God damn, she puts that sub... Every bit of her internal monologue and subtext was in her eyes there. Goodbye, Mitchell. They're so well, lucky to have her in this cast. It's cameraman hot. Yeah, yeah, they're... they're <laughs> this entire storyline is so lucky to have her. <laughs> mm -hmm. Because, we'll talk about it later, but whether I agree with it or understand it, I saw in her eyes that she understands it, and so I'm comfortable, right? Right. And that's... She's she is fixing so much with her eyes. You know, I was wondering if she, she's she read doing that a lot script, of repair work. I'd like to believe in my in my fantasy. She read this script and made a notepad list of shit that was wrong with it and was mm -hmm. like, you know what? I don't think she did go to David E. Kelly. I think she was like, I am fucking good enough to make this work. And if I internally justify everything beat by beat by beat as an actress, I'll make it work. And that's, I yep. think, what, exactly what she did. Spoiler alert, she wins the fucking oopsie. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. Maybe her best performance, one of her best performances. We've seen some great closes. We've seen some incredible monologues. We've seen some emotional beats. But what she had to do, the heavy lifting she had to do this episode. Yeah. Six years ago, I took my grandmother. There's that weird, support. creepy baby doll. I've regretted it ever since. You wondered if this is a life. Kelly, you and your husband created this life together. And although I can't even imagine how painful it must be to see what's happened. And to know she won't get much better. Oof. She's still your baby. So is Helen... This and Dr. Taylor, this case, it... Trying Almost to talk her you, out your of and your marriage. I don't know. Maybe too much has happened between you and your husband. Pulling the plug, I think. Yeah. Oh, at least try to get. I'm not sure what the point together. of view of the show is here. We know Helen feels that way. You deserve that. 
Just saying, not to be, not to show a lack of compassion, but you should also sue that doctor for everything. Oh, oh yeah, all the monies, yeah. So does Mary Beth. Ooh. That, actually, that was a little bit more realistic, that Was that a real baby, Keith? Because now I feel bad. I don't think so. Okay. Should I still feel bad? You should always feel bad. <laughs> yeah, I do. I do is the general consensus. <laughs> Brandon Fraser? Good luck, Mr. Goss. The mummy? Great shot. Oh, I thought it was going to be a great shot. I thought we were going to see the like, parents in the reflection, but... Great shot of the parents, sort of like their first physical contact, leaning on each other since the court case, juxtaposed to Eugene and Helen walking out together with sad piano. Okay, folks, you have listened to season six, episode 15 of The Practice. It is time to hop back over to the YouTube if you want to see our dumb mugs talking about this, because you know you want to. The rest of us, uh, just keep listening. Well, I don't know that they want to, Keith, but they're pot committed, so. It's me! <laughs> Look at you! And, <laughs> and it is m -m 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 Mike, baby! Hold on. Uh, uh... <laughs> Nailed it. <laughs> we failed. <laughs> I guess we're going to just have to keep it at this point, right? I mean, obviously. We can't uh, We can't cut that. Uh, you're right. Um, well, it's appropriate. What am, I, what am I going for here? You're going for the two shot. Oh, yeah, that's it. Uh, that's it. <laughs> and I'm keeping the... what? Oh, it's all happening. <laughs> oh, my goodness. What is... Oh, everything is happening. It is. It's I like I, all of our bumpers at the same time. Is that more TV happening? <laughs> I'm keeping up the uh, what does Mike think is going to happen because oh, um, because uh, it, I, I nailed it. You you did nail it. Uh, why don't you tell us how you <sighs> nailed it in this mm -hmm. segment? We got all mm, two, three. <laughs> Mike has 30 seconds to remember what just happened on the show. Guys, I'm segment, sh I'm shook. Segment. Because the baby was shook. And then they spray the, the, the thing and the lady gets beat up. But then Eleanor is like, oh, you were like so mean to me, but I don't forgive you, but I'm going to bang you. And then I have feels about it. And then turns out the mom shook the baby. But wait, the mom didn't shake the baby. The doctor is just an asshole. And here we are. Yeah, you did it. Sort of. <laughs> that that bumper is too long. Uh, now I know why I didn't put the segment. Although oh, I should have. I should have done well, it. I, I can't find the original one. Because I, I, <laughs> you have to send it to me again. Otherwise, we're just going to hear. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Two, three, four. <laughs> 
that's my voice memo that I left myself. I love how you a... counted yourself in. It's just for you. <laughs> but like, not in any sort of tempo. It's just random numbers, I said. Um, uh, yes. Now, could you tell us again what uh, just happened? It's going to have to but be real just, time. Uh, I forgot about it. Oh, great. That's exciting. The baby is shook. Eleanor bangs the asshole. The baby is sick. Oh, okay. All right. You see? Speaking yeah. of bookends, you weren't impressed with that one. <laughs> I'm always impressed. In my heart, I am always impressed. <laughs> the baby is shook, okay? The baby is shook. Eleanor Banks. This is the most uh, NSFW uh, high coopsy of all time. That's uh yeah that's 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 pretty fair. Well, you know what else Ooh. is probably going to be NSFW, the very important award show we call Ladies and Gentlemen, the Out of Practice Podcast in unofficial, unsolicited, unfactual association with oh, David and Kelly Productions proudly oh, present. Oopsie. The Oopsies. Celebrating excellence in acting good, lawyering good, guesting good, and being Tom Brady. Not to mention, this is where we rate the episode and stuff. Now, here are your hosts, Keith and Mike. What the hell are the Oopsies? Keith, I meant to mention uh, uh, Phoenix... I don't know if he sent it to me personally or if she put it on the YouTube or not, but he also made a funny joke about uh, that a better example of schizophrenia is not uh, Superman from last episode, but the the viewer uh, who who claimed to be Tom Brady, which I thought was who pretty. is Tom Brady. That's fair, although he's been silent, but it is the offseason. It is the offseason. He's a Super Bowl champion, after all. That's true. That's true. He's, he's still drunk on a boat somewhere, but... I, it is Tom Brady. Don't this it's not some person who thinks they're Tom Brady. It is Tom Brady. Thank you very much. And uh speaking of things that are awesome, it is time to hand out our first Oopsie Award entitled Most Oh no, wrong one. I'm <laughs> well, I mean, well, Rebecca did such a great job of plan being, and mm -hmm. Eugene was so great too, but even though the poor mom wasn't even at fault, even though I then claimed she was, but mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Uh, I guess uh, I still think that was such a boss plan B that I, and they got the case, the charges dropped one way or the other, so I'm going to say uh, Rebecca D. Cricket. Yeah, I, I think we're you know Rebecca did the best in courtroom lawyering, so I I'm glad you did that. But I'm going to go splitzy because you want to know who actually turned this whole thing around, Lindsay, by discovering that the 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 linchpin of the whole case, 
that it that it was an illness and neither of them. Yeah, and, uh, it comes in the last like two minutes though, and it's a Deus Machina, and I don't generally love those. I love it when you plant that seed earlier, but yeah, but like think about what Rebecca did. She did great lawyering for what we know, but basically the two lawyers who did any lawyering, Helen and Rebecca and Eugene, just uh, destroyed these people and their marriage and their lives over something that neither one of them did anything wrong. So, all right, but, Keith, but I like I, I it. My point. sister is FaceTime calling me right now. I'm oh, going let's to, have her come oh, on it's in. My, it's my nephew, JJ. Hey, JJ. What's up, JJ? He can't hear me. Hey, JJ, what's up, brother? Oh, you shouldn't go to Hobby Lobby. It's uh, we're not supposed to support them. Hey, JJ, uh, you guys are on the podcast. Welcome. All right. What's up? Uh, I'm glad that that was out of focus because I probably shouldn't put that on the internet. So that's good. All right, guys, I'm going to call you uh, after the show, okay? What? I'm going to call you after the show. Sounds great. All right, bye. Yeah, so that was necessary. Um, <laughs> what happens, happens. Yeah. Um, um, also, why? Okay. There's weird haunting things happening here. I'm hearing the squeaking. Is that a mouse running around? Uh, it's it's a toy. It's a toy that I got for Charlie. It's like a bird in like a little bird cage, and you <laughs> hit it, it makes that noise. But it is sitting there on the floor, on the concrete floor, which does not move anywhere. And I it hear just it, turned, though. It, it just turned itself on twice. Folks. Nothing touched it. Nothing is within 15 feet of it. It, it clearly haunted down here. Also, I realized that what I thought were tea lights on the TV behind me to like add some ambiance looks just like a McDonald's large fry. I, it's been, I've been hungry all episode. I also, want them fries. You've heard us talk about the wheels falling off before. I think that pales into comparison as to what's happening right now. Look, we are always going to dig down below and find a new floor for the Out of Practice podcast. But even if the concrete floor, all of those wheels falling off have meant that we're nice and limber for. Oh, yes. Wait, wait, wait. So, so are you sticking oh, with Rebecca? Yeah. Okay, good. All right. All right here we go, guys. <clears throat> Already famous because you've been on TV, getting a paycheck. First entry on your IMDb. Way to go. But you're the best guest actor. Side. Look, I had a 50-50 chance. <laughs> oh, wow, we're just not good. Um, we need some French fries. You know, I gotta be honest, I, I Brendan Fraser had a lot of lot of acting to do, uh, both the parents of, of Baby Shake. Um, it should be noted that that was in no way uh, yeah. uh, Br Brendan Fraser. Nor you know was it. You know, you know it's really delicious <laughs> dipping those fries into the baby shake. <laughs> baby shake as a combined verb is is not very sympathetic, and uh, I'm glad I put we're, it on the internet. Um, we're horrible people. But I actually think that, and and we have some issues with the writing. I thought that uh, Helen's, I guess, love of her life, uh, or the the. What's the, the flip of that? The guy who's turns out Helen's the oh, Jesus Helen turns out. <laughs> you, you realize that Helen and Eleanor, while roommates, you know, we talk about how like roommates aren't necessarily dating. They're yeah. also not exactly the same person. <laughs> so Eleanor's 
romantic interest. Like, I know that that chapter now seems to be closed as they were just moving him to Scotland. Yeah. Um, but he he also had a lot of uh, work to do this episode. Scott uh, Cohen. Scott Cohen. And I thought he did a really fantastic job. Yeah. Uh, I imagine him looking at that script was like, also had a notepad of like, okay, I have to, I have to bring my fucking A game. And he, yeah. I think he did. I, I thought he was excellent. You saw Mike, if you list, if you didn't listen to the episode, what the hell are you doing? Um, but also, you'll hear me in real time recognize that he aclom- accomplished his, oh my God, he accomplished uh, his goal, which was become a sympathetic character somehow. And he did that at least for me. And uh, that is hard to do. Uh, yeah. And I'm sure Keith has, we, we'll hear those, those thoughts articulated more, but uh, he's my pick. Yeah, no, I, th- I think you're entirely right. I think Scott Cohen did a great job. I also like to throw a shout out to Jennifer Crystal Foley as the wife. Mm-hmm. Uh, she did a tremendous <laughs> job. Um, but yeah, I mean, this storyline put so much weight on Cameron and Scott's shoulders to try to make this work that the they just did a tremendous job with what they were given. Um, and I have I have some thoughts about that, but I'm going to say about more about that later. I'm always going to tease the finale. Got to tease the finale. It's part of how this works. So congratulations to Scott Cohen with your Oopsie Award uh, for Best Guest Actor. I'm trying to look for the applause. Where's the applause? Woo-woo! There it is. There it is. All right. Nailed it. All right. Coming up next, it's time for the, uh, we've, we've already announced it, but just for fun. You killed your podiatrist or blew the case, but you let a single tear run down your face. You're the best actor on the show. Yeah, I mean, don't take us being uh, short about this for lack of... <clears throat> Uh, full throttled support, but we've we've lauded Cameron so many times on the show. I don't think we need to do it again. We also do it during the episodes. So go listen. She's fucking incredible, and she wins all the oopsies. Yeah, I mean, there's what else can you really say about what Cameron brings to this character and to this show? Like we've we're, we we do not have the vocabulary to describe it as well as. <laughs> If we had the if we had the uh, vocabulary range that she has emotional range, we could do it, but we don't. So uh, congratulations uh, once again. That's the wrong. <laughs> it's going well, and it's so. been a great episode, everybody. We'll see. You. <laughs> We're so close. Oh God. Well, Cameron, congratulations. You were better than. Us. Which brings us to somebody who's worse than us. The Tom Brady Award for being Tom Brady. Keith, we learned this episode that you should always hold your baby properly, right? You gotta be careful with the way you hold that baby. Sometimes, and now I've never had this experience, but sometimes you've won so many Lombardi trophies You've held in victory so many mm-hmm. Lombardi trophies mm-hmm. that, oh my God, you're so used to it that you accidentally win an oopsie for the Tom Brady Award for being Tom Brady going to Tom Brady holding a baby as if it were the Lombardi Trophy Tom Brady. 
Okay, that took a turn. I thought I thought we we're gonna go like Michael Jackson off the balcony, or we're no, gonna be no, uh... no, 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 no. I'm okay. trying to. I'm am conscious of what I make you put on the internet, Keith. You're trying to prevent us from getting sued, but that ship is sailed. What's that, listeners? Where have the Tom Brady board for being Tom Brady's been, or any of the oopsies for that matter on the Instagram? Well, folks, let me turn your attention to Keith Varney. You know, I I actually did a bunch of them, and I haven't posted them because oh, oh. reasons. Yeah. Uh, but yes, I, I'm going to post them. There's going to be a whole big like oopsie explosion on Instagram. I promise. I promise. I I'm going to do it. I don't want to see a Keith Varney oopsie explosion. I don't want to see any explosion that has to do with, that comes from Keith Varney. No explosion. Ladies and gentlemen, it is time to announce. <laughs> Moving our forward. Tires this episode gets. <sighs> All right. Tee it up. Knock it down. Let's go. I, OBS has, has quit on me as well. It's like, you know what? Fuck these guys. I got nothing. You do not deserve yeah. smooth transitions between your cards. Um, This is actually really tough for me, Keith, because it's a lot. Uh, there are a lot of cracks in it, but it was such excellent work. That storyline with Cameron, which I know is riddled with inconsistency and uh, I think maybe like every point i thought it made it sort of undoes undoes but then at the same time maybe it also it just makes the point and then and then introduces a little more complexity as you said you sort of of but that doesn't take away the fact that it's television and like i was so i loved the tasty morsel of like cameron getting her <clears throat> getting to take her power back but then she does kind of get that in the end because she tells helen like i made that decision i slept with him because i was i was in control and then when she has that scene with him where he tries to like do the the hero thing where it's like oh come with me and she's like nah you gotta do you man i'm taking my power back so maybe i got what i was looking for i don't know i need i really need to chew on it a little bit but that doesn't take away with how excellent those actors made that that story beat the the, the baby case the twist worked out. I mean, I, I fell for it hook, line, and sinker. But it was muddied with the the weird... It feels like there was more to that case that they just edited out because they were like, it's just too ridiculous. So just edit the whole case out. Just have him... Just start the beat when he comes to the office. It, it's To say it was out of place is, is severely understating it. It was wildly inappropriate because then it introduces a comedic beat in an episode that doesn't really need any comedy. But And yet... We get the second comedic whole scene with the babies and Bobby just cause. Like, I get that sometimes 45 minutes of TV needs a little bit of levity, but like two ridiculous scenes. Like, we already pointed out that the A case with the doctor and with the, sort of the Deus Machina beat of it maybe could have been introduced earlier, or maybe the thing with the the witness, they could have planted that seed with the witness in the hallway from the beginning and had us guessing. Like, those two scenes I would have much preferred rather than the two comedic beat scenes like that. It, it doesn't make a lot of sense. I don't know if that's on the writing. I don't know if that's on the edit. I don't know if that's on the director. I, I don't quite know. I also don't know how I feel about it. I, I would say you have to watch. This is one of the must watched episodes just for the performance of, of from Cameron. And it's nice also to not have to look at any of the like inter office drama or Bobby's drama with Lindsay anymore for an episode. Like it was nice. And I'm glad that we got to revisit Eleanor's thing. Cause I felt like the last, we just were so curt with it in the last episode. 
Also, they in the in the previously on they brought up the the judge killing himself. They introduced that into the A case, like that that judge is going to be uh, biased, but clearly he's not. But it feels weird that they introduce it like just to tie it to last episode for no for no payoff. Seems it, there was a lot of. <laughs> I'm gonna use a. There's a lot of dangling chats in this uh, yeah. episode, if you will. That I don't know if it's just sheer laziness, or, or if they're introduced. If it's a terrible edit, it almost feels like a terrible edit. Like they just cut. It was like a two-hour episode that they cut down, and so much is missing that I'm just confused. Or it's just bad. Um, but. Some of it, there were some redeeming qualities. Like I said, some of it's so grounded, and 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 you know, Eleanor got to take her power back, which is really effective. Ultimately, what did I rate last week? Six point something. So it's not that bad. So I'm gonna go. I'm gonna give it seven point one eight spare tires. Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah, I think you. I think you brought up a lot of the points that I was gonna bring up. I, I think. This this episode is hampered in the you know I'm going to save the Eleanor case for the end. Uh, first off, the the case uh, with the the perfume sprayer thing that was I understand you needed to have like some sort of a case that happens there that gets resolved really quickly so you have a reason to get them in the room together but also it's not about the case so you need to have something to have it disappear quickly but that was a terrible version of that not because like you know silly things happen you want to make a comedic beat fine i get it great but there's no internal logic to anybody's behavior there that that case and the behavior of the lady who attacked the lady and the other lady none of that made any sense so we sort of like oh that's crazy we forget to like wait so why would they why would she do why it, it's absolutely just nonsense so that hurt this episode the lack of it, it doesn't have to be smart doesn't have to be complex doesn't have to change the world because it has to be short but it has to make sense it has to have some sort of internal logic so push up there's that the your point about um sort of continuing the bobby judge story and and eugene accusing the judge of being biased against him again great like i like continuing that story but if you're going to continue that story continue that story don't reference it and then toss it out which is which is what happened they just they sort of like wink wink we're acknowledging this from before but we're not going to do anything with it and which brings me to the eleanor case Th this whole episode feels like a they brought in a chef to do something with the leftovers mm. because most of these cases are sort of warmed over leftovers of inferior things. You and said this was a, a new writer? A new writer. A new so writer. It, it is potential. David was like, you know, here are the, the bullet points of shit I need cleaned up. Yeah. Yeah. And I, it, it feels like that. And which is why the behavior of Mitchell Wheeler, the guy in love with Eleanor is so inconsistent that that storyline, like, 
he was handed an apple and he went in a complete, and he, he put out a, a chicken. Like those two, if you watch those two episodes back to back, it makes no sense. It is completely incongruous. All everybody's behaviors, intentions, mainly Mitchell's behaviors, intentions, beha- like it's all completely incongruous from one episode to the next. It's a different character. And I like this second episode's version of that story so much better. Mm-hmm. It's much more complex. It's much more nuanced. It's better performed. But if you actually, again, the internal logic of it, you've watched that. We just watched this episode. We watched this complex interaction between these two characters and this backstory and how he's dealing with shit. But then if you go back and watch what happened before, it it's a different character. It doesn't make any sense. That you, you bring up a really a, a, a very important point because <clears throat> you know I, I mentioned Glow before. Professional wrestling is is a great example of a narrative mm. that often will completely change a character. Like he's a good guy, and now he's a bad guy, and sometimes it's just because one thing wasn't working, so they try a different way. And but you know in that medium, as that you suspend your disbelief such that okay, I just okay, cool, they're, they're going a different way. This isn't that though. This is a universe in which if the two things don't tie, then you need to show me why. You can't just be like, oh, you know, I've learned the error of my ways, but you are a total douche. Like, a, they tried, but they, they it's, but, it's but one of those things he, where they, they expect too much of an audience. It's, that's not, our job isn't to like fill in the blanks for you, man. Well, they, they revealed his motivations in this, which I think were interesting and complex, and I get it, but once you've done the reveal of why he's doing something, it has to make sense with what he did. And mm-hmm. what he did before has no bearing on that motivation. And it's and it's like he's trying to rescue a thing that just can't be rescued. You've got to let it die. Like, it's not, it's just not going to work. So, you know, look, if they had made, if they had made part of the story that he was in this self-destructive spiral and and he was everything was sort of burning around him and, and that caused him to do this weird self-destructive thing okay sure but that's not part of either story mm-hmm. so they they didn't they didn't justify any of it and i like i think had uh had john tinker written the first half of this too i think it would have been an interesting story that i probably would have liked yeah, but he was handed a shit sandwich, and tried to turn it into a souffle. And he's a very good writer, clearly. And you know his dialogue and these these emotional complexities, he did really well. The plotting part was not good, and so it's a it's sort of a maddening episode because some of it works so well, and some of it is utter nonsense. Mm-hmm. And, and, and so like, I don't know who to blame. Like yeah. you said, I don't know who to blame. I, I, it is the writing in, in my opinion, to blame for Oh my God. The out of practice podcast. Every time unofficial. Unsolicited. Uh, th- yeah. I got to re I got to go over the stream deck. I got to fix some stuff, but I apologize. <laughs> yeah. It, is it the writing you said? It, it, it is the writing to blame in my opinion, but I don't know which writer to blame because, because, uh, John Tinker was handed a whole bunch of leftovers that were past their prime and he did his best with it. And it wasn't, it it ended up being inedible. 
mm-hmm. <laughs> even though he he's a talented chef. You know what I mean? So I don't know. That's a long and, and incoherent way of saying I don't know. I don't know how to write this episode. I don't. I don't know how I feel about it. So I'm gonna give it. Sort of split the difference. You know, again, Cameron and the performances and the scenes that he wrote elevated a incoherent story. So six point nine one. Okay. Six point nine. What the hell is happening? <laughs> what are you? Literally, they're all going. It's I, a. I it's an explosion. A video explosion. Yeah. Well, we should talk quickly about uh, this guy. Uh, yeah. That is Chucky, the original mm-hmm. scary, creepy doll. And I think that that might be referencing the creepy doll that uh, that uh, was fake breathing throughout the entirety of this episode. You're right. Congratulations. Way to discover the creepy dolls back to back. Well, if you'd like to think about something cheerier than our podcast, like creepy dolls, creepy homicidal dogs, dogs, <laughs> you can reach out and talk about it with us at outofpracticepodcast at gmail.com. You can find us on social media at Out of Practice on Facebook and Instagram. While you're there, do us a favor. Join the jury. Leave us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts or any other service of your choice. Join these fine, fine people. Speaking of fine, fine people, this episode of the Out of Practice Podcast is brought to you by our founding sponsors, Jorge Navoa, Cloud Lover 69, Leanne Wrights, Jennifer Masanova, and Kari Kuhn. Did you know that you can get your name on that sweet, sweet graphic? All you have to do is become a financial contributor to the show, which you can do by clicking one of the two show notes by leaving a one-time donation of any amount you choose or a sustaining membership, which gets you all kinds of perks, which I'm not going to ruin by telling you. Wait, there are perks? (laughs) There are no perks. There are no perks. You're experiencing the perks. Uh, You can also tell a friend to check out our show or check out any of our other podcasts. In the meantime, Keith... I want to take take those laser sounds and shake the living hell out of them. Laser sounds. Laser sounds.